Welcome back to week 10 of Two Guys, One Emily, back at Williams Hall. Let's say hello to the two guys. What's up, Perkins? Hello, everybody. Wednesday out, a couple inches of snow on the ground this Looks morning. beautiful. First real big snowfall of the year. Kind of cool. What's up, Kevin? Uh, nothing much. Just running on no sleep, as usual, getting to the finals times of the year. Also, while we're here, going to throw a shameless plug and ask everybody who's out there listening to subscribe and please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It makes us more easily found and puts us into the scope of related searches out there. So do that. Follow the Twitter. I'm not going to dive into that right now. I don't have the patience for Perkins at this point. Maybe later. Yeah, even if you have a glaring view about how dumb we are and you think all our opinions are stupid, tell us that too. I would love for Rico to leave a review saying how terrible your opinions are. Speaking of Rico, Coach Blasey, he is going to be our guest this week. We had a great interview with him this morning. But as usual, we'll start with crazy sports moments. We'll talk a little bit about Miami sports, some honored athletes um, that happened over this week. College football, college basketball, the NFL, the MLB, the NHL. We're going to try and hit everything this week. It should be fun. So, as always, crazy sports moments. Perkins. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever been to a Blue Jackets game in Columbus, um, but they have a pretty cool environment. Uh, their name is based off of the uh, Civil War soldiers, and after every goal and before the game, they fire a cannon in their building as celebration. Um, and I saw a pretty funny uh, gif of Johnny Goudreau from the Flames skating around during uh, right before the game started under the lights and uh, the cannon went off and he uh, he jumped a little <laughs> bit and it was pretty humorous he kind of jumped a couple more times played it off got himself hyped up but uh, that's a fun environment and a cool little thing that they do so it's pretty funny I have to imagine Goudreau's played there before right yeah I mean, it was pretty funny to see but crazy game for them too six nine final Blue Jackets gave up five goals in the second did you see the tweet I yeah, Blue Jackets yeah. are really good about <laughs> it, too. Awesome. I retweeted it, so the that final was, awesome. was 6-9, to nine, and uh, the Blue Jackets posted the little game graphic, and they just said, nice. Get it. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, I've been in that arena, and that hor- horn, siren, cannon, whatever, has also given me a little bit of a jump sometimes, so okay. with you, Johnny Gaudreau. Kevin? Uh, so I'm going to do something a little different. From now on, my crazy sports moment will be, what asinine thing did a Cincinnati sports team do this week? And this week, it is brought to you by the Bengals, who have brought back Andre Smith. He has played for us on three or four separate occasions. He was our number one pick a few years ago, and he has just not been worth a number one pick in any of those stints with us. I understand the injuries are piling up, but bringing back Hugh, bringing back Andre, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, not a not a good game on Sunday, but we'll talk a little bit about that later. My craziest sports moment this week, it's been a little bit on Twitter, or a lot on Twitter, but the AHL Hershey Bears set the teddy bear toss record, collecting 34,798 bears. And I don't know if you saw this video or the GIF, but I highly recommend you watch it. We'll tweet it from our account. And actually, Miami alum scored the goal that cued all the Bears to rain down, and it actually looks like an avalanche. So, all for a good cause, but the most insane teddy bear toss I have seen ever. 
This is one of the coolest things that happens in sports, honestly. Um, growing up as part of the Junior Everblades organization in the ECHL, I played for their youth team. Um, and every year at the Teddy Bear Toss, it's uh, generally the first goal or the second intermission, whichever comes first. Um, and when that goal scores, they just rain down. Um, and we had a cool opportunity as the youth players. We would all be in our warm-up suits with skates on, and we were the team that would go out. Well, all the teams, but I just mean we as a group were the team that would go out and uh, clean all the bears off the ice and pile them into trash bags and stuff. So it was sweet. Get to skate around. And uh, I remember the first time I did it, I want to say I was probably – nine or ten and my whole team went by and uh, joined the fist bump line for the team so we got to skate by and tap all the ECHL guys after they scored we just got in line behind that's the neat. last guy it was a lot of fun that's so cool but yeah definitely a fun moment <clears throat> honestly good segue right there from hockey straight to the coach Blasey interview so without further ado we will go ahead and turn it over to ourselves and coach Blasey Oh, Kevin's turn this time. It is annoying, that horn. I think it's great. Can't do and how to play. 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 In case you couldn't tell, we had many technical difficulties this week between a power outage, that footage, and our switchboard coming up wrong, and then miscommunication on my part to try and get coach back on the show so it has not been my week i'm gonna say it i am ready for this week to be over last week of classes i think this is the worst week of last week of classes i've had but we're gonna rock with the second half of the interview that's still saved yeah that's just really unfortunate um i hope coach wouldn't mind me sort of paraphrasing some of his thoughts that i thought um were sort of highlights to me at least um you know he you know, he mentioned sort of us questioning some of the decisions that the staff makes and that the team makes and um, just people in general question those decisions and just reminded everyone that there's a lot more um, that goes into that than we see. And it's not always um, or even, you know, usually about the wins and losses to him. It's more about developing the players. And, um, you know, and I agree with that. I, I concede to that point. There's a whole week of practice that I didn't see. Um, you know, I don't know how guys are feeling on the bus ride, right? Like somebody ate something even. So, there are a hundred million different things that go into that. Um, so it's important to keep it in perspective, but um, I think it's important for us to continue to ask the questions and to continue, um, you know, bringing that kind of stuff up. He did talk about U-Haul um, a, a good bit. They, uh, he really does like uh, u he, he was a great interview, great kid. A little older, he mentioned as well, just a little more mature than some of the other guys, even though it's not like college hockey is traditionally a really young sport. Um, he also mentioned that this weekend against St. Cloud State was one of the weekends when everything was finally clicking. He seems like he knew that he has all the pieces there, but it's just about getting the guys, he always says, to play the right way, buy into the process. So definitely yeah. an exciting weekend to come off of. Yeah, and he was talking about the process um, you know, in depth, just saying that the guys have to learn that they can't just show up on Friday and play their A game. You have to go in all week and put in that work and get prepared. Um, and then when you show up on Friday after a good week of practice, et cetera, then you can play your A game. And just that, you know, that's what their A game looks like. They can skate with anybody. It's just a matter, you know, just like you say, trusting the process and everybody buying in. Um, but again, unfortunate, but we still caught a good bit of the interview. Um, he had some really good uh, comments and just some insight as to sort of what happens behind the scenes a little bit, that glimpse that we don't always get. Um, so we'll go ahead and send it to the end of the interview. 
so it was kind of alluded to before the show, but I'm not a hockey guy, so I have to chime in here eventually. What do you do when you're not coaching hockey? Do you pay attention to any other sports? Got favorite teams? You, you've you been in the area since the early 90s. You follow Cincinnati sports teams at all? or? Uh, you know, as a, as a coach and uh, someone that's – uh, in athletics, <clears throat> you're always paying attention to what's going on in other sports and other coaches and what they say and their interviews and games. And um, so, you know, I, I think I would like to say that I'm a fan of all sports and I try to uh, catch as much as I can, um, you know, just for my development. And, um, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have some really good coaches in the Cincinnati area over the years and uh, some are are more animated than others. And, um, it's, you know, to me, it's whatever you can learn from them, learn from other teams in the area that have had success. Um, just how they go about doing their business is, is important for, for what we do. So what I'm doing when I'm not coaching, I'm probably, um, you know, spending time with my family and my two daughters and, um, you know, ultimately, um, trying to keep an eye on everything that's going on in in the world, and whether it's ho- uh, in hockey or other sports or politics or anything like that, um, you can always learn something. So you're not saying you don't. <clears throat> you're not saying you don't want to see the Blue Jays win in the World Series. Or? Well, I'm not going to say that I don't want them to win the World Series, but um, <laughs> I'm a fan of teams playing well. How about that? that? That's fair. I just had one other off-hockey question. Do you have any thoughts about the fact that Duke basketball has been called the Brotherhood recently? Well, I know our uh, – yeah, that's uh, – well, one, I take it a couple of different ways. One, the Brotherhood is trademarked and copywritten, uh, so I don't know that Duke knows that. I do know our university lawyers are on it, and uh, whether they uh, have a different uh, – mantra or not we'll have to we'll have to wait and see the other part of it is though the, the ironic part of it i've been a, a huge uh fan right you you know you don't get into coaching without kind of observing some of the best coaches in, in, right. in any sport and so a lot of the things that we did early in 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 our program were kind of duke related uh, in terms of trying to make sure that the student body was buying into what we were doing, that they knew about the Brotherhood, that they were a part of it. Our band's called the Brotherhood. Um, those aren't, you know, by co- by coincidence. So um, I always wanted our rink to feel like Camden Fieldhouse, right? So um, for them to come out last year with the Brotherhood, I started laughing um, Wait, I didn't know this dated back to last year. I'm sorry I, I, I think it was last year, maybe earlier this year. I can't remember, but um, it's actually a compliment, I think. Um, so I, I look at it two ways. One, I'm a little perturbed that they didn't ask for permission. I don't even know if they need to ask permission. I know it's, you know, I have the the uh, the trademark Brotherhood uh, letter from the state of Ohio, but. It might not be trademarked in in the U.S., so um, we'll see. I think it's I think it's funny. I've seen it in other sports. I've seen it in other hockey teams, NHL teams. We have two two Miami guys playing for the Devils, and they have the word brotherhood in their locker room. Um, 
but it doesn't say the Brotherhood, so a little bit different. Can you talk about how the Brotherhood came about? Because it's kind of an interesting story because it was spurred on by you, correct, during your time here? Or? Um, no, well, uh, the 92-93 the team um, basically uh, started it. Um, we had a sports psychologist in those days come and work with the team for a couple of days and we knew we were pretty good and we wanted to make sure that we stayed focused to what we what we believed in and um so coach Gwazdecki with his wisdom in those days um had someone come in and work with the team just basically to have a mantra just a kind of a one sentence kind of a thing and one of my teammates uh, Sean Penn who um after the uh, we came up with our sentence said hey why don't we tag on the brotherhood we're a family we're a close team you know, and that kind of became our rallying cry over the course of the next two years. And, you know, when George Gwazdecki left to go to Denver and we graduated, that kind of disappeared with the new staff. And, and rightly so. I mean, staffs are want to put their own mark on, on, on their program. So, but that always stuck with us when we went to Denver. We never used the Brotherhood at Denver, but we did a lot of the right, a lot of the same things in terms of how we built the culture there. And when we got the job back in 99, um, I wanted to kind of unveil that brotherhood and bring it back. Um, but I didn't want to do it until we were we were set and right. <clears throat> and so it took a couple of years to get our recruits. Now, in the meantime, we were still selling and kind of teaching the values and the, and the things that we wanted to kind of see in our culture. And we were recruiting to it. And I was hiring, you know, my staff around the fact that we were going to be this brotherhood. So I hired Chris Bergeron, who happened to be a teammate of mine, and uh, Jeff Blaschel, who was in the league that played against us. And so we 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 kind of went through some growing pains in the early years. And um, but once we felt like we had our own team, uh, the AD at the time, Brad Bates, uh, really challenged me to become the CEO of our program and and come up with a business plan and and a brand that we could sell to recruits, to the fans, to everybody, and. So I said, oh, this is a perfect time for the Brotherhood to come out. And um, basically that's how it started. Um, we built it from that. Uh, the 0506 team really defined the Brotherhood in terms of what it meant to the Miami hockey players. So that's what that's what sticks today. Uh, a guy by the name of Don DePaulo was instrumental in helping us navigate through um, all of the um, words and uh, wordsmithing that that went about, you know, the two or three day retreat that we had back in 0506. Another thing that you built that I don't think a lot of people <coughs> know about or helped build was the creation of the NCHC, and it's kind of ironic because it's such a competitive league, and for the past couple of years, it's been a, kind of a tough go against conference opponents. So, like, are you? Do you have any like? bitterness like oh darn we created this league that has all the top opponents that we have to play against type well, thing yeah well that's that goes that crosses my mind on occasion Emily I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that but I'm the only coach left from <laughs> the, the original four that uh, got together and decided to to form this league and um, you know they've all left and I'm still here <laughs> trying to fight through it but uh, no it's 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 been great I mean um you know, alignment's gone on in football and basketball, realignment, I should say. And um, when Penn State joined the, the Big Ten and they were going to go off on their own, it was a, just a matter of time. And, 
you know, we had things going pretty good here at Miami in terms of, of winning games. And, uh, you know, we were very attractable to a lot of, a lot of conferences. And, uh, when this, you know, this opportunity came and was presented to us, we, we felt very honored that, uh, you know, Southwest Ohio and Miami university was going to be part of, a excuse me, <clears throat> a conference with North Dakota <clears throat> and Denver and, um, you know, it, it was at the time it seemed like a no brainer. So, um, you know, it's, it's proven to be what we thought it would be, uh, a, a conference that would produce national champions, a conference that would produce a lot of NHL players and a conference that would produce every weekend, uh, just an absolute grind. I know you're not huge into <laughs> predictions, but with how this team looked the past this past weekend against St. Cloud and just the energy and the fun that you guys have, what would you tell people to expect from the second half of the season? Well, you're right. I'm not about predictions. I'm, I'm, we try to focus on everyday process. Uh, but, you know, I think if we play the way we played this past weekend, if our, our commitment level is where it was during the week in practice, um, then there's no reason why we can't, uh, do the continue to do the same things. Um, you know, we we've seen how Colorado College plays. We've seen how Omaha plays. Uh, we've seen how St. Cloud plays. Uh, the other teams in our league are very similar. We've seen Providence already, so we know what to expect from them. Um, there's n there's not going to be any surprises in terms of what to expect. It's just going to be a matter of us executing our game plan and making sure that we're ready to go. So I have to ask one question because you, you, I know you have somewhere to be, but I like to ask every guest because it's an ongoing battle between me and Perkins. Do you consider eSports to be a sport? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> it's a win for Perkins. And that's just so... Perkins just says nice things about me because you don't like, say anything. I'd like to go on record. He says not nice things, and I say nothing. So technically, I'm nicer. <sighs> Do you seriously think that? Well, you know, it's. I think it's. You're still using your your focus, your mindset, your your ability to think and problem solve. So, really, athletics is a lot. All of that. You know, maybe you have to have a skill in terms of skating or being able to follow through on your jump shot or how you throw the ball as a quarterback. But, uh, you know, I don't know that I could just sit there and be successful playing any of those games. I had a last question to ask because I know we've talked about it. <laughs> you like that answer? No. No? <laughs> I know we've talked about it before, but um, can you tell us about your superstitions? Because I think it's kind of quirky. What did I tell you? About the ties. Oh, I don't know if that's a superstition other than just more an uh, observation, I guess. Um, <clears throat> usually, if a tie wins, it, it gets to come back uh, at some point for another game. If it loses, it goes away for the year and gets another chance the next year. And there's a lot of ties that don't come back. So, <laughs> <laughs> don't, you know, if you ask my, my wife, she'll be, she'll be the first to tell you that 
um, a little bit crazy with ties. So I've got lots of ties that I don't wear anymore. <laughs> um, any <coughs> final comments? Would you like to rebuttal anything that we have said before? Because I know you've listened to a couple of, to our, of our shows. So No, I just like giving you a hard time. And uh, I think you guys do a great job and trying to, you know, kind of stir the conversation up a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for, for us, um, you know, in terms of student athletes and, and coaches, um, we, we, we care about what we do. Uh, I know our players, uh, in any of the sports here at Miami, um, have a passion for what they do and they, and they work extremely hard. Um, and I can tell you everybody in the athletic department from our, our leader, David Saylor to, uh, Jude Killey to all the coaches work extremely hard. And so, um, ultimately I think this is division one hockey, division one athletics, and we need the support of everybody, including people in the media and our student body. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not going to go the way everybody wants. Uh, but I can tell you it's not from lack of effort or lack of commitment or lack of love for what we do in, in this institution. Uh, I think it's, um, I think it needs to be said because sometimes, you know, as a coach, you probably don't want to kind of prod the, the media and you don't want to get involved in conversations where people aren't being supportive because of one thing or another. Uh, I don't know that I've met a coaching staff and a bunch of group of athletes that are more committed to being great. Um, and so um, having said that, everybody's going to have an opinion and we understand that too. But, uh, you know, it's, it's important to, to be supportive and it's important to state the facts and, and not jump to conclusions. And, um, and, you know, the one thing I hate, and this is a personal, uh, question or a personal comment, uh, are people writing the narrative of what's going on behind the scenes when they don't know. And that's why I think the STX documentary is awesome because now you get a little bit of a glimpse of what's going on. Uh, it's probably not the entire picture, but it's a little bit of a glimpse. Um, and and hopefully people enjoyed it, and hopefully people will have a different understanding on on what comments they might have to make after the fact. Because it's always easy to make a comment after the fact. Um, but uh, like I said earlier, I think uh, I'm very proud of our athletic department, we have some great teams um, and uh, great coaches, great athletic administration, um, great alums, and and very supportive student body. So um, if student bodies, uh, the student bodies listening to this podcast, we need more of your support um, in all sports. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. And surviving a power outage with us. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to Coach Blasey for coming on the podcast and surviving a power outage with us. I know we keep saying that, but he gave us a lot of good stuff, and I'm kind of bummed we lost the first half of it. But still some good stuff after we restarted. An awesome coach. Great to follow up David Saylor with him. Probably one of the most recognizable coaches on this campus with one of the most popular sports. So that was really cool. Yeah, definitely. And uh, kind of cool the way that this interview came about. Um 
Coach uh, was a little irked by some of our comments on the show. R, don't say R. <laughs> yours. I, if, I, if everybody's going to talk so greatly about this interview, I'll be the first to say I was severely disappointed in Tear Perkins to shreds. <laughs> oh. Because that's all I wanted to happen no, today. No, because he came up to me last Friday and said, hey, who are those guys in your podcast? And I was like, oh, you know, Kevin Hayden, Stephen Perkins, and... He was like, well, yeah, 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 but who are they? Why are they calling me Rico? Why aren't they calling me Coach? And I was like, I, I was like, I don't know, Coach. Like, I, I just. And he was like, we should scare him a little bit. Tell them that I'm pissed off at them. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's why I texted you two and said, Coach is pissed. And you guys, I just kept playing up because I was like. I told him, I was like, the guys are I scared mean, now. And he was like, you're really going with this. And I was like, yeah, let's freak him out. <laughs> well, he didn't know I was scared before he came on. But <laughs> before any of this happened, I was a little scared of him. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I knew he had absolutely no reason to be mad at me since I don't say anything about well, hockey. You were still freaked out, though. You were like, he, Kevin texted back like three times in our group chat. I was like, OMG, I never talk about hockey. OMG, why I, is he mad at me? First of all, <laughs> have, I don't think ever used the text OMG. <laughs> I don't think Semantics. I've ever said Semantics. that. Semantics. But... I was also like hoping for like a, a Hallmark movie where he's like, what would you do differently, Perkins? <laughs> and then you would tell him and then he'd take you under his wing and you'd take your 12-year-olds to whatever championship they go to. <laughs> There's still time, coach, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Help me lead my peewee team to the yeah. Buckeye State <laughs> Championship. <laughs> That's what I was really hoping for. Um, but I mean, seriously, I, I really enjoy the fact that he's willing to engage in that conversation, you know, and he complimented us on, you know, stirring the pot a little bit and, you know, start asking some of those questions and, you know, to a degree is willing to come in and, you know, he didn't answer to every single one of his decisions and that's not what he has to do. But even to come and address that and, you know, speak with us in that way is really refreshing and really nice. And, you know, he talked a little bit about the STX documentary giving um, that was cool. Shedding some light. That on was cool because it came out. Sorry, not to jump over you, but that came out right after Hard Knocks finished. Mm -hmm. and I Hard Knocks is one of my favorite TV shows every year, and that kind of just felt a little bit of a void. What I wanted to follow that up with was he mentioned in the first show that we recorded how he had to censor himself a little bit because if you do go to practice, it's definitely very animated and colorful, which I think just goes back to the passion that he has for his athlete's success and getting them fired up to hopefully play as well as they did this past weekend. I'm going to tell you, that was the hottest take about sports that I've ever heard. When I asked him about if he had a team or anything, and he just said, I just watched the coaches. It's the hottest take I've ever heard about sports. Uh, like, I mean, no disrespect by it. That just blew me off out of the water because he didn't even say, like, what NHL team was his. And I could very well see him having multiple NHL teams because he's got multiple kids in the league. But I, I, that took me right off guard. Definitely awesome. Thanks to him again for taking the time out of his day to come talk with us and give us some insight. Yeah, I'd love to talk to him again. Uh you know, towards the end of the season as they start winding down and heading into the uh, NCHC tournament. I think it'd be a really good guest to have on again. Yeah, so looking forward to that NCHC tournament. Um, talked a little bit about this past weekend. Miami hosted um, NCHC opponent and number one team in the nation at the time, uh, St. Cloud State. They tied and then eventually lost in a shootout on Friday and came back and tied and then won in the three-on-three -three overtime on Saturday, so their conference record uh, remains three and three, but they just add two ties to that. Um, but honestly, that's great for Miami, all things considered. I mean, 
Oh, yeah, unreal. And, and, you know, we talked a little bit about it with Coach, but the story to me now is I don't know what to expect from this team. I, it's been it's been a tale of two opinions for myself. It seems like every week I'm on board and then I'm a skeptic. But after this weekend, and Coach Blasey alluded to it, this team can play with anybody in the country. Um, I think that they knew that, even if I was a little bit skeptical. So hopefully they ride this wave into the long break. Um, exhibition on the 30th, I believe, and then back against rival Providence. I'm, I'm prepared to call them a rival at this point. Um, we've already played them once this year, lost 4-0 in the opening uh, showcase tournament, and now uh, they'll play two times at the beginning of the year. Story of the weekend, definitely uh, U-Haul coming in in relief of uh, Larkin as he was hurt uh, with about 10 minutes left in the first period of Friday's game. U-Haul went on uh, to make, I think he... Had what, insane. He had 28, 28 saves, saves on Saturday and 20... He had 30 on... S- or, sorry, he had 28 on Friday or, like, 30 on Saturday. He was just insane. Yeah. Like, so stood on his head. Brings his uh, yearly average to 2.32 goals against and a .915 save percentage. Um, so that's really good. And he was named the Miami Male Athlete of the Week. Podcast bump. Let's go. We got it, finally. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so congrats to him. I tweeted about this but it was the most fun weekend of hockey I think I've watched because the team just hasn't competed with a, a team of that caliber in a long time so excited to see what the exhibition brings which is interesting I found this out the other day that Andrew Masters is a goalie who used to play for Miami hockey and he transferred to play at the University of Guelph he is the only transfer player in a recent history, I would say 10 to 15 years, that will come back and play against Miami hockey. So definitely going to be interesting to see how that goes. Traditionally, I would say universities in Canada aren't as competitive as universities in the States because if you're good in Canada, my understanding is you play in juniors and then you go on to play in the NHL. So interesting to see how that dynamic happens. Um, obviously rooting for the Red Hawks. Hope they win. Yeah, I think this is a, a, you know, you hate to call them a tune-up game or, you know, a scrimmage. It's not that. But I I think in a lot of ways it is that. And it's a good opportunity for the team to come back after the break, refocus, play in an organized game against potentially an opponent that is not as uh, good as some of the caliber teams you're going to see just to get back into the flow. And then uh, one weekend later, like we mentioned, they've got Providence. So, uh, you know, no easy games coming out of that. So you really have to make sure that you're uh, firing on all cylinders for that uh, exhibition game. Other games that happened over the weekend, the Miami volleyball team, as we talked about last week, uh, was at the National Volleyball Invitational. Oh my gosh, there's a C in there. But they were at an Invitational tournament they hosted. They beat Northern Kentucky in three straight sets to advance to the next round, but they lost to Valparaiso in three straight sets. And Carolyn Clondit was quoted saying it was their worst game of volleyball. So kind of a bad way to go out, but still... Finished the season 22-8, and eight, um, MAC championship tournament runners-up, and then they shared co-conference champions with Bowling Green. So not a, a good season to hang your hat on, especially with the youth on that team. Awesome to see uh, Carolyn Condit have another good season and uh, good for the future for them. Big so. things upcoming for the volleyball team, no doubt. Other big things upcoming for men's basketball, they take on rival right state I guess like I didn't really know we were rivals with them but that's what people are calling it they lost terribly at Xavier and then they beat Wilber Wilberforce not a question 
Uh, they are an AIA Division II team. Um, so again, like you had talked about, the tune-up for hockey, kind of a tune-up for basketball, get a little bit of their confidence back. It was cool to see lots of different players hit the floor um, and get some double-digit points. Moving right along, women's basketball is rolling. 5-1 start. Um, they lost to number 5 Louisville. Louisville, whatever. We mentioned it last week. But then they went and won against the University of Illinois at Chicago. And then they are home against UC tonight. So another rivalry game, which is fun. Um, it's not the men's team, but it's still UC. So I'd expect to see Millette a little busier. It's closer. Um, all the best to Megan Duffy's team. I love watching the women's team. So it'll be good to see them in action. We should mention sports that have stopped we've got a lot of accolades people to shout out we've talked about paula portugal multiple times on the show she ended up being the national offensive player of the year and all-american first team by synapse sports i don't know what synapse sports is but that's a pretty big deal if you're the nation's offensive player of the year just insane yeah and happy dominant, for her yeah dominant performances from her throughout her career especially these last two seasons uh, i believe she was the mac player of the year both last year and this year um yeah just definitely an offensive powerhouse and a huge addition or <clears throat> contributor um for that team um onto the football side as well uh brad koenig who we had on a few weeks back was all mac first team defense uh, Maurice Thomas, who's a kickoff return specialist, was on the All-Mac first team uh, specialist list. And then there were uh, six other Miami athletes on second or third team in the MAC. So good job for those guys. A little bit of a Band-Aid after they don't get invited to a bowl game. So shout out to David Saylor for breaking that news on our podcast last week. We, I would dare to say we went a little viral Right, college football Reddit picked yeah. it up. We got a couple articles. <laughs> it was an, fun. Yeah, kind of an exciting week for us. Uh, like you said, the college football page on Reddit, you know, heard about the story and they were debating that. Uh, they tweeted it through their verified account, and we had some good publicity from Dave Meyer, the SID, and you know, the Miami Network just doing its thing. Yeah, you know, had plenty of replies and many thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're joining us from Reddit or Twitter or somewhere else on the internet, we welcome you. Uh, thanks for coming back. But, yeah, Miami, no bowl game. No bowl game, no extra game as of right now. Yeah, so I talked to – ULM backed out. Yeah, I talked to Sailor about that, and he said it's not going to happen at this point. No one else really uh, was interested. He said, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm stupid, but just couldn't get anybody on board. So that's kind of unfortunate. Uh, For whatever reason, ULM didn't – maybe they just didn't want to rock the boat with the NCAA. That seems to be – Always a question, right, with that looming power that uh, the, cartel. the sanctioning body seems to have. The yeah. cartel that is the NCAA. <clears throat> but, you know, and we talked about it a little bit last week. I, I hate to beat that dead horse, but there's 39 bowl games. We can't get two more in there and get right. these four teams that got missed an opportunity to play. Are, are we really watering down the bowl experience by adding two more games yeah, at this I point? Mean, if I'm being honest with everybody, I want teams to be 7-5 and five and I want less bowl games. Well, they used to do that, right? You had to be seven and five, and then they would go to six and six teams, or you know, just six yeah. win teams in general, in order to fill those. Um, but with the increasing marketability of games and the amount of money and sponsorship, you know, contracts that the NCAA and these schools have, I think we're going to continue to see bowl games added instead of redacted. And uh, there's Can already you? a new one coming up next year for the MAC that Sailor mentioned um, on the East Coast. I think Myrtle, Myrtle Beach, Beach is going to yeah. be the host, and they're talking about making another one for the next year. So. Those, you know, might be good. Those two will help, you know, alleviate this pain of 
finishing six and six, battling at the end, winning that game in the last game of the season, you know, and really feeling that emotion and that excitement and then to have that taken away. Can you imagine NCAA signs a partnership with MGM? Could you imagine the bowl game? They can't do it. I know they can't, but could you just imagine? (laughs) It would be crazy. But as soon as they start paying the players, they'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess moving right along to the big four, Alabama will be taking on Oklahoma. Oklahoma snuck in there. Not really, I guess, because Georgia lost in a, in a nail-biter to Alabama. That was an insane game. But Oklahoma was lucky enough to be fifth with Ohio State sitting sixth. Ohio State snubbed for a second year in a row, a lot of people saying. I will... Uh, I will echo that argument. And then possibly the most exciting, toughest to pick, hardest bowl game to look at, Clemson versus Notre Dame for the for the two and three. So that's uh, that's going to be an unreal game. Yeah, Kevin and I were going through the bowl games, making our picks on uh, ESPN. And- Shout out to that. Uh, two guys, one Emily. Uh, spell it out. Spell it out with a comma after guys. And uh, look us up on ESPN. We made a little bracket pool, essentially. Yeah, feel free to join us in our group, and uh, we'll shout out some of those top competitors should you be able to compete with Kevin and I, uh, which you probably won't. I'll try I'm it. I'm going to go ahead and say I feel like a lot of people are going to do better than both of us. <laughs> Half of those games end up being so random. You're yeah. looking at these stats, and you're trying to uh, you know analyze when they played, what teams, and the result. And, it's like- and the nature of, nature of bowl games are m- mixing and matching different conferences. In basketball, a lot of the time they won't play the same conference, but there's so many there's so many more games that you have those common opponents to look at most of the time. Yeah, but we were looking down at Clemson and Notre Dame one, and they have a similar schedule with a lot of similar outcomes. I mean, obviously both teams undefeated, but their wins were in, in similar fashion against the same team. So I'm really excited to see what these two games bring. I, I think Alabama is probably going to give OU a lot of trouble, but the Clemson Notre Dame game should be a lot of fun. Um, we talked a little bit about Miami being snubbed, Ohio State being snubbed. Yeah, and also um, with Ohio State, Urban Meyer stepping down. His assist, one of his assistant coaches, uh, I think Ryan, Ryan Day, Ryan Day, uh, already promoted to that. Urban will be with the team through their bowl game, but uh, I think it's a good decision on his part. If you watched his post game conferences for since he got back, he. Uh, he was straight up wincing every time he w- was stressed or on air. You could just see like the the twitch to it, even on the sideline during the game. I mean, they were broadcasting him a lot, obviously during the Ohio State Michigan game, and he, you know sometimes he just doesn't look well. And I think this might be overdue, honestly. Um, he's been battling some health problems for years now, and you know he, he is getting a little older. He's accomplished an immense amount of you know things in the NCAA, being yeah. with Florida and Tim Tebow, and now coming to Ohio State and, you know, the prestige that they have there. He's definitely going to go down as one of the best college football coaches, at least in the modern era, if not ever. Um, you know, and, and all his gaffes and, you know, the questions aside, like th- there's nothing, you know, you can't say anything bad about his coaching ability. Um, so, you know, definitely, yeah. you know, sort of a sad moment, end of an era for Coach Urban. But he's always been a family guy, and he'll have some more time to spend with his family as he starts to age a little bit. Um, and then – Another game that I want to highlight a little bit, I honestly think this might be one of the best games of bowl season. It's going to be UCF-LSU. Um, UCF right on the cusp of making the playoff. They lose their quarterback, uh, battle back hard in their championship game, and then LSU, you know, just one of the top fringe teams in the SEC. 
It's going to be a lot of fun. LSU spent a lot of this year in that top four. They yes, spent they a good number of weeks. I think UCF beats them. End of argument. I honestly think that needs to be said. Uh, I don't think it will be the end of the argument, but if they go and they beat Auburn last year, who was Another team in, who spent a lot of time in the top four. Yeah, who spent uh, – They, I think Auburn had played in that uh, SEC championship last year, and LSU was probably third or fourth in the SEC this year. They were right next to UF. I'm not exactly sure where they shook, uh, shook out, but yeah. But yeah, that's, that's an unreal game. Uh, shout out to my Bearcats getting a little love with the New Year's Eve Bowl. They are they're looking like heavy favorites against VT, uh, so that was cool to see. Yeah, I mean a lot of bowl games, and uh, we'll be able to get into that a little bit more next week. Games don't start yeah. until the fifteenth. Uh, only game you guys have to look forward to this week is Army Navy. Yeah, <gasps> go Always Navy, a good beat game. Army. You see the uniforms Army's wearing to honor bi- the big red one. Sick, super cool. Um, so to go from college football to college basketball, get into uh, some top ten talk, and then uh, Kevin's favorite week, X hate, hate week. week. Yeah, it's uh, this is like. What do you guys do for that? This is like first Christmas in Cincinnati. Like there's like, Christmas and out- then there's Jesus' birthday. <laughs> do you cross out like like what is like what does Cincinnati do? I'm genuinely interested. Like I know like you know OSU will cross out every yeah, single. Yeah, most of that end. happens. I would say. It's a it's a lot easier for uh, Norwood State students to take C's out of their stuff than it is for UC students to take out X's. A little unfair competitive advantage, but I'll say it. I've said it. Xavier's not good this year. Or Norwood State, excuse me. Norwood State is not good this year. Uh, they didn't look that good against us. They The way that we were playing basketball, they should have beat us by 100, and they didn't. We couldn't hit a three, and we somehow stayed. No, we didn't stay in that game, but it was, it was less than 30 points. Um, but going back to top 10, I got a little sidetracked. Uh, <laughs> By your hatred. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good. I, as a non traditionally a non-basketball person, the only comment I have about the top 10 is that Furman made it for the first time in program history to number 25 in the rankings, and they're a relatively small school in South Carolina, and I believe they're undefeated. I'm guessing it's kind of like a UCF where they don't play the same caliber of opponents as some of these other top-ranked teams, but still cool because I actually have a friend from high school who went there, and they've got sheet signs all over their campus saying, like, top 10. I believe they're the only team in their conference that has been ranked in the, excuse me, top 25. Um, So that's my one comment. Throwing that in there, uh, definitely thought it was cool. Yeah, I mean, they have some pretty good wins this year. They have a 60-58 win over Loyola, Chicago, 88-86 in overtime over Gardner-Webb, and probably the most impressive one is 76-68 in overtime over Villanova. And while they're not necessarily the powerhouse that they have been in years past, that's still a respectable, Nova uh, consistent. Nova won it last year. Like, Nova, that's what you're saying. Like, I'm agreeing with you. They, they won it last year, and to get beat the year after that by – no offense to Furman, but by yeah. Furman. You know what their no mascot valid. is? I could not The tell. Paladins. I don't even know what that is. You ever pick a bracket based on which mascot you would think oh, yeah, wins in a fight? Definitely. Every we, year Coastal Carolina makes the tournament, they win because it's a magic chicken. That's what a Chanticleer is. It's like a magic chicken from a fairy tale. See, I go with like Tulane. Usually. Uh, the fighting I'm, wave, I'm, right? Big, yeah, like the green Purdue, wave. Like, green Purdue wave. always makes it pretty far. Who's going to stop a train? A wave. Could stop a train, knock it right off the tracks. 
Well, fair. <laughs> but back to back to this. Uh, there are only of the, like the top five. Of the top five, you have Michigan at eight and zero, Virginia at seven zero, and then you have two. You have not two. You have Duke with one loss, and then uh, lossless. I'm trademarking that word. Lossless Kansas and like Gonzaga. But that top five seen a good shuffle already this year. Zaga was not in the. We've already had Kansas, Duke, and Zaga in the first spot, um, so that's good. We already have our first two-loss team in the top ten in Michigan State. A little early in the year, I think, to have a two-loss team there. Yeah, those things all seem to shake out towards the end, which is nice. But yeah, had some good parity in games as well. You know, a lot of good teams playing each other early. Kentucky Duke to start the season, and then obviously Duke Gonzaga where. Uh, Zaga upsets Duke. Kentucky fell pretty far after that first loss, but they've bounced back there in the eighth spot now uh, behind Auburn and Tennessee at eight. Oh, excuse me. They're at nine in the AP poll and eight in the coaches uh, behind Auburn and Tennessee. Uh, this is unscripted, but also related to college basketball. Did you see that Markel Fultz was diagnosed with some nerve disease that's completely treatable? Who is this? The guy drafted out of Duke by the 76ers a few years ago, who gets made fun of for his shot because he was a, uh, like he was, he was a lottery. He was definitely a lottery pick. He was definitely a lottery pick. Made it to the NBA after working on a shot for a summer, and couldn't shoot the ball anymore. So they found out what's wrong with him, and apparently it's treatable, which wow. is unreal because the 76ers had already stated earlier this year that he was no longer a part of their plans moving forward because of what had happened. Why? Well, that's good for him that it's treatable. Yeah. It's, it'll be weird to see if they treat it and then he comes back to the form that he was when he was a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. Could you imagine that? That would be <laughs> a be story. Unreal. Call Lifetime or, you know, whatever, ESPN. Well, almost playoff time in the NFL. It's quickly approaching. Um, we'll go ahead and segue into that. Uh, Kevin, you've got some picks. I've got some picks. We don't agree on them all. So yeah. uh, let's just go ahead and jump right in. So I just wanted to shout out the GOAT, Tom Brady, really quick for reaching 1,000 yards rushing on his career. 15 seasons? He's been in the league like 15? Roughly. Did you see his video the other day where he was getting into his Fake car? retirement. Yeah, and he was like, oh, I'm retiring. And then like someone was like, that retirement lasted 7.6 seconds because then he like was like, haha, just kidding, going to work. So that was fun. I, I loved when they were like, that was the best 7.6 seconds of a Jets fan's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... I I have my predictions. I will go ahead and say that I hate the AFC this year. I don't think, compared to the NFC, that anybody should... I don't think there's a justification for the AFC to be in the Super Bowl. I'd much rather see a two-NFC team, obviously. Um, but I have, from the AFC North, I have the Steelers. From the South, I have the Texans. From the East, the Pats, the West, the Chiefs, and then my wild cards are the Chargers and the Colts. And I know that the Ravens are holding on to that second seed right now, but I'm just going to say I don't think they're that good. Do you want a rebuttal? Yeah, so I mean, when I go through, I see AFC North. I'm actually going to go way off the wall here. I'm taking the Cleveland Browns, I think, with Baker Mayfield, uh, you I know, finally a little bit games. established and uh, Do they have enough games in. to take the take They're not the eliminated, I know that. Um I think they are four seven and one right now, and uh, the Steelers are 
what, like seven and five, eight and four. So like they're not that far behind. I like that pick as someone who has no picks. And at the, at the least, I, I see them sneaking into a wild card spot. Um, in the AFC, I also have the Texans. In the South, AFC East, I have the, Patri- the Patriots. Yeah, the Patriots as well. <laughs> um, AFC West, I'm going to take the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to have their way with I Cincinnati can. this weekend. Um, we'll see about you know the Chiefs as they go <laughs> Sorry, forward. Obviously, if they continue to win, they'll be fine there. Um, but I think either way, those teams are either going to be AFC West or wild card. And they might flop between Chiefs and Chargers. And then I'll take also either the Colts, but like I said, possibly the Browns uh in that other wild card spot i would i would completely agree with you the chargers are one win and the chiefs are like one loss away from switching places uh and you look at that matchup between them and the the chiefs defense is nothing compared to the chargers they have bosa over there so like they've got a good defense um how nuts would cleveland go if the browns make the playoffs it wouldn't be a city on a map anymore (laughs) i'm just gonna say it (laughs) Let's see what happens if they get there and win a game. Nuts. All right, that's my <laughs> I know that was a, that was subtle, but it hurt. You didn't have to say it like that. Marvin um, Lewis has never won a playoff game in Cincinnati. Uh yeah, okay. We know. Just a reminder to everybody. Okay. And he still has a job. Yeah, uh <laughs> moving on to the we NFC. Know. <laughs> uh in the NFC, I'm going to take the Bears in the north. I'm going to take the Saints in the south. The Cowboys are in the east. And uh, the Rams already have it in the West, so that's not that hard. Uh, I like the Vikings and the Seahawks, who coincidentally play each other this week. I like them as my wild card teams. Carolina lost last week, and Seattle picked up a win. Uh, the Vikings picked up a crucial win against the Packers two weeks ago, and they did lose to the Pats, but they are the two wild card teams as of right now in the NFC, I believe. The rebuttal from Perkins? Yeah, so in the north, I'm going to go with the Packers. They've been having coaching troubles, um, but I I think Aaron Rodgers towards the end of the year is going to go into uh, discount double-check mode, and you know he always seems to bring the heat late season, and should they find themselves in the playoffs, I think they'll find success through him. Um, I also have the Saints. I think that's a pretty easy one there. They're one of the best teams in the league right now. Um, In the east, I'm going to take the Eagles um, over the Cowboys there. I I just think the pedigree you know, in Philly right now is still strong. Cowboys are having a good season. There's nothing to say that they couldn't come out of that uh, side, but I have the Eagles there. And then, like you say, the Rams are already locked up. Uh, you mentioned Seattle and Minnesota playing this weekend. Um, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take probably Seattle over Minnesota this weekend, and also in the wild card. And then I expect they're, probably the Bears. Wild cards. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Um, so I'm saying they're gonna win and maintain one of the wild card spots. And I think the Bears, uh, with the Packers winning the north the bears will slide into that other wild card spot uh we were talking about on the way up trubisky's back uh when khalil max playing you know he's one of the best in the league so yeah the the they have the pieces the splits when he's on the field for them versus when he's not are just stupid um if i had to pick an afc championship game i'm probably going to take the steelers versus the chargers because i think if it comes down to it i think the chargers are the better team it depends on Melvin Gordon being there or not. Steelers did just lose James Conner. Uh, I think my NFC championship game, I have the Bears versus the Saints. And no disrespect to our alum, Sean McVay. But oh, they- I'm, I'm, che- I'm cheering for him all the way. He's going all the way, only because that's the little I know about football is he's from Miami. So, But 
Uh, Sean, it's fair. It's Miami guys all over the league. Yeah, but he's been Eagles. like Eagles, Eagles, Saints. Yeah, uh, yes, true, Cardinals. true. But like, Cardinals. he's just been most one of the most colorful Miami Steelers. characters we've seen. Let's not talk about that one. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees already took one from the Rams, and uh, that's a that's a battle of minds right there. If we're in all honesty, uh, but I honestly. Th- see the Bears making it to the Super Bowl. I really think that defense is a match for anybody in the game. And I see Phillip Rivers finally able to join that elite category, that elite talk, getting to a Super Bowl, maybe winning it. But I honestly, my pick to win the Super Bowl this year is the Bears, which is wild. I would have never thought I'd say that. Yeah, three years ago, would you have said that? <laughs> Absolutely not. <clears throat> well, Kevin, since you're on a roll, we'll let you go ahead and just roll right into baseball. A couple big trades this week. Yeah, so there were two pretty big, significant deals this week. There was Edwin Diaz and Robbie Cano from the Mariners to the Mets. Uh, that included former Red All-Star Jay Bruce and a few and multiple of the Mets prospects. I know I think two of their top 10 prospects were in that. Robbie Cano obviously was a probably no doubt Hall of Famer before the suspension this year. Edwin Diaz is one of the best closures in the game. Uh, then what they're getting back in return, Jay Bruce is kind of washed up. But they they you're got only a lot. saying that because you're salty. No, I'm. He he. Uh, I, that was that was fun. He's I think I think he's one of the only re- current Reds that I have. Not current Reds, but in my lifetime Reds whose autographs I have. Uh, then the other deal, still Mariners. Mariners traded Gene Segura to the Phils for Carlos Santana and J.P. Crawford. Um, then with that, so the 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 Phillies are getting a starting shortstop, Mean Gene, who went to the All-Star Game. He was All-Star Game MVP last year, actually. And the Mariners are going to get Carlos Santana, who was a pretty big free agent acquisition a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. When he came off that... Uh, he came off those years with the Indians and everything. He was he was a hot commodity, and so to see that that's a pretty big trade. I just it, like the name Mean Gene. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And then there were there was just two other things in the world of baseball that caught my eye this week. Patrick Corbin to Nats for a lot of money, like six hundred million dollar money. Whoa. No, no, six years, four hundred. I'm, I'm just checking that now. But I knew it was a six and a four. Uh, he, that's that's so much money, and you have to think about what the Nats. So are. no players were involved in that trade. It was just that's a free agent signing. Oh, okay, sorry. Are, no, you're fine. Um, it was just a free agent signing, and the the Nats last year sold like they sold at the deadline. They shipped off some old players. They they looked like they were selling. Bryce Harper's in free agency right now. So that was one thing that caught my eye because I don't know what they're doing, and I'm not sure if they know what they're doing. Yeah, do they have enough money left for Bryce Harper, or is he basically I, written I off think he's off. The, yeah, I think he's written off for – that's what I've heard at least. The Phillies are the favorites to land Bryce, and the Yankees are currently the favorites to land Manny, which just yeah, – you hate to see that. You just I, – I hate seeing guys go to the Yankees – 
I think Manny Machado is the most fitting Yankee in baseball right now because I think he's a prick. He's one of the. He's easily the dirtiest player in baseball right now. He'll throw a bat. He'll slide cleats up. Cleats up. Steps on guys on first. Like it's, there's no hesitation to get yeah. down dirty. Yeah, definitely. And just like just reckless plays. You know, potential for injury. It's not hard nosed baseball. He's not charging. You know, hard to home play. Like he's going out of his way to, to really. Yeah. Asshole. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, let me correct myself. Six years, 140 million. I think Kershaw had like. 300 million last time he got signed and Patrick Corbin is not Clayton Kershaw but regardless that's uh those are where the free agents are but another free agent that I didn't see coming as a Cincy fan the Reds cut Billy Hamilton he was my favorite he was a lot of guys favorite we talked you know a while back about the MLB failing to promote some of their young guys and encourage that you know young connection between uh you know youth fans and stuff and and he was a, a perfect guy for that for Cincinnati, I mean, kids loved him. He played, you know, he was an exciting guy to watch. He's so fast. He had a good personality to him. You know, it's exciting to see stolen bases. More exciting than base hits, in my opinion. Um, so, especially as a young kid, catches. the more yeah, the more action and the cool highlight plays that you see. Um, but I, I do think that there's some validity in cutting him as well. I think this was an absolute right choice. I think it was the right message to Reds fans. Hey, we mean business. We're just as tired of seeing Billy bat around 200 as you guys are so he is by definition a great AL player because he can come off the bench and run for your DH and then stay in that game and play gold glove defense in center field he's been robbed of a gold glove for a couple years now but it was absolutely warranted it makes you wonder what they're going to do to fill that void but it sent it it sent a clear message and it was well received by me at least uh, Joey Votto also said that he had the worst season of his life after leading the NL in in uh, on base percentage this year. I just I saw that yesterday. And I thought that was funny while we were talking about baseball. Oh, Joey Votto, good Canadian. Well, we talked a little bit about some of the Mariners trades, some other big news going on in Seattle right now. Um, in the NHL, just voted yesterday on Tuesday to approve uh, an expansion team to Seattle. They will start in the 2021-2022 season. Uh, my understanding is that they're going to have a draft a lot like Vegas did with the expansion. They'll be able to pull, um, you know, set. each team's will protect. And then, um, you know, a certain set number of guys, depending on, uh, you know, what the league decides. It has gone down recently how many guys you're allowed to protect. And then it becomes the contract issue, and they just have to decide, you know, what guys they can sign for what money. And they just pick a guy from every team, as well as, um, you know, the actual NHL entry draft, as well as prospects, free agents, et cetera. And they try to build a team that model worked out really well for Vegas this year. They were able to put together a stellar squad, uh, shattering records for expansion teams first seasons and eventually going all the way to the Stanley Cup play uh, finals and losing uh, to the Washington Capitals five games. Go Caps. <laughs> um, but still, good year for them and exciting news for hockey. Uh, another team out west, way northwest. Way out but, west. Uh, Vancouver's already excited there saying – they're ready to have a rivalry again. I thought it was interesting just because there wasn't as much hype about this expansion as I feel like there was about Vegas, and maybe it's because it just happened so quickly. And um, in the past, what, like 10 years, these are the first two expansion teams. So uh, it just seemed kind of like ordinary, like, oh, this has been the talks. Like, oh, it got announced. There wasn't a lot of hype about it, but, like, I'm excited. It'll it'll rearrange some of the divisions. Um, I believe Phoenix is moving uh out of ugh, wherever they are now and then seattle's joining that 
division. So. Yeah, we get to 32 teams, which is nice as well. You're able to split evenly. I'm not sure exactly if they're going to keep 16 and 16 in each conference. That would make sense to me. Um, but, yeah, they're going to realign the divisions and everything too, so that will be good for travel. Um, and another West Coast team, like you say, for Vancouver and some of the <laughs> California teams to play. Um, other big news in hockey, uh, Nylander finally signed with Toronto. You called I, it, right? I did. I said a, a while back, I said, watch, he's going to get six years for about 6.6 or $6.7 million. Uh, he ended up Almost. getting six at like six nine, I think, so a little more than I thought he was going to be worth. I don't know where Toronto's going to find the money to pay him. I didn't know that they had that. Um, let's Speaking hope one of, of their big studs doesn't get injured. You know, yes. you had Matthews already hurt once this year. He was hurt last year. Something else happens to Marner or, you know, Riley on the back end. And now you've got to go try to find a guy to fill that role and you've got no money to pay him. Could be an issue for them moving forward, but I think this is big for them. Um, that's a huge piece. And they've been playing really well. They've got five in a row, as you have written here. Um, Matthews comes back, immediately starts scoring again, hasn't missed a beat. He's still like... I don't know exactly where he stands, but he's still up there for goals per game and overall production as well in the point category despite missing 14 games. Insane. I also saw a statistic. The Athletic has their own like statistician that does stuff for the NHL, and the Leafs' chance of winning the Stanley Cup just went up by 2.7% with Nylander back. So they're so going to keep So get your bets rolling. in before the line changes if uh, you think Toronto's going to win the Cup. Sorry. Anything to add, Kevin? No. Nine years ago today... Tony Pike to Armand Bins. My Cincy folks will know what that's about. We beat Pitt nine years ago today when we were number five and moved up to number two. That's also when we got destroyed by the Tim Tebow era Florida Gators. On this day by Kevin Hayde. How about that? (laughs) Good Miami production as well in the NHL this week. The young stars showing up this week. Sherwood assisted on a game-winning goal as the Ducks, the Anaheim Ducks, came back from a 5-1 deficit to win 6-5 nuts that's insane yeah two goals at the end of the second and three goals unanswered in the third period caps were up 5-1 and ended up losing 6-5 to just as we've been talking about a really fun nhl season uh obviously goal scoring is going to draw in those fans that aren't traditional hockey fans so cool to see that we mentioned the the jackets and uh the flames going 6-9 calgary also <laughs> scored 10 goals the other day nice <laughs> sorry i couldn't <laughs> i was laughing at something else and then it just circumstances oh. <laughs> yes i am 12 years old. walked into that one um jack roslovic for the winnipeg jets uh of the same class as sherwood i don't know if they were the same age but no they're i think sherwood's a little older but same class at miami except Roslovic left us after one year. Um, but he scored the second goal in a, the Jets' comeback against the New York Rangers, who were down 3-1, and they ended up winning, I believe, in a shootout 4-3. So shout-out to the young stars uh, keeping Miami hockey in the NHL's mouths. I don't know where I was going with that sentence, but anyways. <laughs> it's, funny, a good time, it's a good time to end the show. <laughs> funny story about uh, Jack Roslovic. He was supposed to live in... He was supposed to live above Maple Street. He had a room, like he had a solo room to himself. And like I was on RA staff, we found out like third day of school that he was uh, up in wherever playing hockey and he wasn't going to be there all the way up until the day. Like we had a room set aside for him. Well, sometimes it'd be like that. I was going to say, life, I don't know how to react to that. Life really do be like that. Um, Thanks for joining us for week 10. Thanks again to Coach Blasey for coming on. If you have joined us for this week after our huge 
David Saylor interview, breaking news last week. Stick around. We have a good time. Um, tweet at us. Tell us if you'd like us to have any specific guests on. Kevin and Perkins will tweet out their uh, NFL picks. You can rebuttal them. Um, join their ESPN bracket for college hoops. It's the Capital College Wan- Bowl. Yeah, Capital College Bowl, One. Sorry. College Bowl or Bowl Mania. Yeah, it's the Capital One Bowl Mania. It's on the Twitter. The title. You'll find it. It's on ESPN. They're blasting all over social media. Um, Again, that guy, or that group is two guys, comma, one Emily, all spelled out. Um, also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Um, and again, leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you guys are able. Subscribe if you enjoy it. Um, all those things are immensely helpful for us. Yeah, we appreciate people who are tuning in repeatedly and sharing us. So thanks again for joining us for Week 10. I'm Emily. I'm one of the guys. And I'm the other guy.